Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by mentalmastery.com.au, the show dedicated to fun mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. I am flying solo this week. Uh, Roscoe down in Melbourne, getting ready for Melbourne to come out of lockdown, so he's a busy man. Uh, I'm currently up here in Townsville, uh, enjoying some warmth, some humidity, and uh, have a special guest on today. Um, really looking forward to this podcast. Uh, Jared Felton, welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast, mate. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Appreciate it. So for the listeners that may not know you, give me a little bit of a rundown of your career so far. How long have you been a pro, status, uh, events won, so on and so forth? Professional life started, I think it was about six years ago, a little uh, memory popped up on Facebook uh, the other day. <laughs> and I was kind of thinking back then, I was like, wow, this is, uh, it's gone pretty quick. Um, lots of highs, lots of lows, but um, no, nah, I wouldn't change it, change anything for the world. Professional life has been has been really good. Um, three wins, which has been as I, I can't really talk too much about that. It's been just great. Things have gone really well for me. Um, I've had great support early on in my professional career, and um, yeah, just trying to find my feet um, again. But uh, I've had status. Uh, I've had some status on the Asian tour. PJ Tour Oz and some European Tour Challenge Tour status as well. Fantastic, mate. Fantastic, and we. We worked together for a few years back, a couple of years ago, um, and uh, which was which was great. I really enjoyed working with you, and uh, you know we had a bit of fun, and and you know seeing you sort of achieve some goals along that along that way was fantastic. Um, got a win in New Zealand, and uh, you know had a good finish on the uh, Australasian Order of Merit. So yeah, it's been it's been fun, mate. I suppose early this year, I got a message from you just wanting to grab a chat and have a, a discussion around a few things and maybe look at getting back into working together. Um, so just give the listeners a little bit of a, I suppose, a background on what drove that message to reconnect, uh, get back to work again, and um, how the last sort of six, nine months have gone. Yeah, so um, obviously, you know, we both got very busy uh, with, with certain things of our lives and, and you got very, uh, very busy with your side, and people were were wanting you because you're a high high demand. Um, and then we, I struggled massively towards the end of I think it was 2019. I, I had a win, but that was kind of uh, COVID time as well. I won the Dodo PGA, but I was I was just struggling more or less just um, mentally just to get up and about to play to play the game that I loved. Um, and then we kind of. The Aussie Tour had that little kind of wraparound uh, season at the start of 2020 in Victoria and Sydney and stuff like that. Um, and we, I tried to kind of get up for the events and stuff, but just couldn't. Um, struggled massively to, to just get going. And, and that's when I reached out to you and we had that uh, good phone chat at, um, I think it was New South Wales Open. I think that was when I first reached out to you and we had a great call there and that was when I told you about my plans to go to Europe and stuff like that. And I kind of just kind of put it on the back burner for, oh, it'll, it'll be okay. I'll just kind of, you know, just do what I need to do and get through it and think that my talent's going to kind of take over from that. Um, but obviously in hindsight, that, uh, that didn't work, but yeah, that's uh, kind of where we are now and, and back working together and trying to start a plan for 2022. Yeah. It's sensational, mate. So COVID, I mean, obviously, we're seeing a lot of the Australian events being cancelled, which is, you know, uh, really difficult on 
all the Australian golfers here, obviously difficult on all the bodies that are in charge of golf in Australia as well. I can only imagine how difficult it is for everyone to be trying to organise events, especially at the level of an Australian Open with sponsors and international players. But, you know, we've, they've, they've just announced last week um, that they've been cancelled for next year. Talk to me about sort of how COVID has impacted, interrupted your career the last 18 months and what you've done to try and just manage it as best as you can. To manage it, I've been very fortunate. Um, the professionals uh, at my golf club have given me a job pretty much, um, which has been awesome. Um, Scott and Jeremy, who were running the pro shop at the time, pretty much just opened me, uh, helped me with open arms, just said, hey, mate, um, we know what you're trying to do. We know your career path. Here's a job. Work as many hours as you want. Practice as many hours as you want. And it's been unbelievable. It couldn't have, couldn't have been any better um, for how bad the situation was with COVID. Um, trying to plan and prep for the tournaments. But um, yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to be in anyone's shoes trying to manage golf tournaments in Australia right now. I know the guys uh, on the PGA Tour Australia are doing a massive job. Kim and Nick and all those guys, they're trying their hardest. Um, but I think most most golfers in Australia realise how hard it is to kind of get those events up and running. Um, and if borders aren't open, then it's pretty easy to realise that these events aren't going to go ahead. And I think most guys realise that you're probably not going to play golf till probably next year i'd say at the earliest yeah yeah so you've been able to just have a bit of balance between you know getting a job and working and and then playing a bit of golf in between doing it a practice and just having that bit of patience yeah definitely kind of stepping out of my comfort zone as well doing some different roles in in the golf industry at my golf club um a bit of managing staff and some different roles in the pro shop and just kind of seeing things outside of playing um, which has been great for a bit of my growth um, and then just trying to work my way back now uh, the last couple of months just trying to get back into some practice and playing again and just try and enjoy the game that I love so much. Yeah, awesome, mate. That's great. And, uh, yeah, earlier this year you headed off to Europe. Um, we did have that chat prior to Europe and then uh, you, you went off to Europe for... How many events were planned before you left? You were planning on staying over there for and playing? Um, I planned to kind of go for at least three months. Um, myself and Dimmy were, well, he's still there, so he's obviously done a lot better than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, we, we planned to kind of go at least probably half a year. And I think after that phone call in New South Wales opened, I, I just went into full panic mode. Um, because yep. Europe was was close by. It was, I think, New South Wales Open was maybe March time and I was leaving for Europe end of April and I hadn't done the work uh, to go and play professional golf at, at the highest level that I wanted to, to compete at and went in a panic mode, started practicing six, seven, eight hours a day and pushing myself to the limit and then all of a sudden I had to get on a plane to go to, to Europe and I was already exhausted before I even got there. Um, and then got to Europe and just wasn't ready for the whole COVID bubble situation, struggled uh, massively mentally, physically, and only lasted, I think it was eight weeks, nine weeks. Uh, came back to Australia, did my two weeks quarantine, which was just the worst experience in the world. And then got out of that and had to kind of reassess to where I thought my career was heading. Um, and that's when we started working together again. And now we're finally trying to, find a happier place yeah mate it's um 
I remember that that conversation prior to Europe, and uh, then sort of didn't didn't really speak much, didn't connect much. Uh, you're like I saw you over in Europe, and I saw you were struggling a little bit. I remember having that conversation in quarantine. When you came back, you reached out again, and we had a good chat while you were in quarantine. And yeah, you know, you just life on tour is difficult at the best of times, let alone with COVID and the, and the, and the European tour bubble, which was very intense, you know, like just being stuck in the one place. It's almost like hotel quarantine, but you get out to go to the golf course each day, but you've got to come back in again. Um, you know, it's life on tour is just so different to what most people perceive it is. We, you know, we see on the outside, we see the glamour, the, the TV time, the, the hole in a putt to win or the $100,000 and $700,000 paycheck and all the, all the pretty stuff. But, you know, we don't, we don't ever see the sacrifices that, that people like you make to become the best golfer you can become. There's a huge amount of sacrifices. You know, being away from family and friends is a very common one. Um, just having that disconnect from the most important people in, in in your life is uh, is difficult and challenging. So, if we go back to you know hotel quarantine, um, obviously, I've done it once and um, I, I managed it okay. But I know for some people it can be, be pretty difficult. What was coming out of quarantine? What was your number one priority um, once you got out of quarantine to, to get things back on track? Um, so two weeks with your own thoughts is definitely a long time <laughs> in a in a box and no fresh air and a lot of TV and you kind of you, you get caught up in you think about the past and obviously where your career is heading and, and you get into a pretty pretty bad place. Um, so when I got out of quarantine, I I started to you know seek some other options. Uh, we we put in a nice plan to kind of get things rolling um, towards the end of the year to play some tournament golf again. But at that point, I still wasn't really loving life, if I put it that way. And then kind of seek some alternate things to kind of help myself with my, my mental struggles, um, which has been great the last kind of three months to get on top of that. And, yeah, I just kind of gave myself the chance to just to give myself the, the best chance for me to enjoy every day I can the best I can. Just because I wasn't, I wasn't enjoying day-to-day life to the point where I can get, regardless of going to, to work or to practice or to play golf, I just wasn't, wasn't enjoying it. Um, so now I kind of wake up in the morning and I'm like, regardless if I've got to go to work in the pro shop for eight hours, I'm going to enjoy it and get the best out of the day I can possibly do. And I think that's, you know, for, for people that know you, um, you know, Feltz is a very much a perfectionist, has very high expectations. If, anyone's seen him swing a golf club it is an absolute thing of beauty um and uh he's very hard on himself which which is what makes him so good but there is that that knife's edge there is that balance point where you know if you do step over that that line it, it can be difficult and you know you use the term there that a lot of the listeners will, will would have heard me talk a lot about which is pressing the panic button you know going into panic mode and you know, practicing so hard and, and when you practice hard, you practice really hard and, and uh, you know, to burn yourself out physically and mentally in the lead up of a big stretch where no doubt you were probably putting a lot of pressure on yourself as well to perform. Um, I think that is, uh, 
you know, gives everyone a little bit of an insight into, into how you are and how you function. But I think for me, the, the thing I loved was the courage to just press stop while you're in Europe and go, you know what, this is, this is not the place for me right now. This is not where I need to be right now um, to get the most out of myself. So I'm going to leave, I'm going to detach and I'm just going to press the pause button. And, um, you know, I know when we did have our first chat, the number one priority was just to look after your own health and well-being and to put in a mental health plan that just gets you, as you said, gets you happy and enjoying every day. Whatever that entails for you, we're just going to try and get you in a really good space mentally um, that, he, that it was to enjoy that. And then we will know when the time is right where we can kick back in start training, start putting some more golf-specific direction in place. And, um, you know, it was really cool to see just checking in, you know, each week just briefly seeing how things are going and you were loving, you know, you were loving life in the shop and just, just you know, the social side of things with your friends. I mean, I don't know how many damn Instagram posts or Instagram stories I saw over the weekend with a beer and, <laughs> and you know, you're uh, – I thought you were going to get the cardigan out around your shoulders. Um, you, uh, yeah, it's next. <laughs> but, you know, it was just so good to see you having so much fun and enjoying life without the, the, the constraints of being a professional golfer and what things you felt you needed to hold yourself accountable for. Um, and I think that a term that we've used a hell of a lot is flexibility, just seeing how flexible you've been over the past, you know, three months, four months has been fantastic. So just give us a little bit of feedback in what that, that term flexibility has meant to you and, and yeah, what, what impact that has had. I think it's, I think it's a great term um, because it's something that we as golfers aren't brought up with um, as, as a very young age, as golfers, you know, you kind of get in your state teams, your, your national teams, and then you turn professional. It's very, it's very rigid and schedule based. Um, you get told what to do, where to go. The, the state providers send you to where you need to go. Um, and then when you turn pro, you've got a schedule to work towards. If you've got status in Europe or, or in America or in Australia, you plan yourself and it's just, it's down the line. And you feel like, I definitely feel like you couldn't really, you couldn't switch off and have the time off because you felt guilty. Um, and if you weren't practicing, you felt like you were letting yourself down to where if you didn't want to play bad and things like that. So I think the last few months, I think looking back on obviously when I hit the panic button before Europe, that was just the automatic, that was just the wrong thing to do um, because it burnt me out and just put me in a bad place. And then coming back here and maybe practicing maybe two to three times a week and playing once a week, I'm thinking my younger self would have hated that. I'm like, no, you're missing out on your Saturday and your Sunday. Why are you not playing golf? And I'm enjoying time with my friends. And I'm just, I'm enjoying the game more with less work, but quality work, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, you mentioned your younger self there had this rigid ideal and approach to the game. Um, and I think that's the thing I love about my side of things is that, Golf can be very much a rigid game, whether it is, you know, in the way we, we practice, in the way we approach our routines or processes. You know, we've got this perception that we need to be 
doing the same thing every time or just a variety of things in the game of golf that create that rigidity and um, physical rigidity or structural rigidity um, is, is okay. We can manage it. But when we have psychological rigidity, that's when, you know, anything that happens that's outside of our plan, we can press that panic button. We can press, you know, go into shock mode and, um, and that sort of fight response. So it's, it's been really cool to see you adapt that flexible um, model. And more importantly, um, you know, we sort of piss ourselves every now and then when you'll go and play your round with the boys and you'll, you'll send a snapshot of the scorecard. Um, I think there was like three weeks in a row where your scores, I mean, you had a couple of bogey-free rounds of eight under or something like that. Or um, how did you feel that flexibility um, transfer over into performance? Because that's what we've got to all recognise is everything we do basically relates back to our outcome. What, what scores are we shooting? How am I playing? Because that's all that matters, really. When you're a professional golfer, you don't get paid for good quality processes. You, you get paid on lower scores and lower scores only. How did that translate into golf performance for you? Um, just, the, just the enjoyment um, I'm getting out of not practicing as much as what I used to. Um, I kind of go to the golf course and I play 18 holes and I look forward to playing 18 holes of golf now. Um, and I think realising that there is more to, to life than the 18 holes of golf I'm about to play. Um, and I think back when, you know, you're, you're in that rigid format and you've got tournament after tournament after tournament, you think that every round is so so crucial. You think you've got 18 holes to shoot your best score and if you don't do it, then it's the end of the world. Um, but I think COVID has pretty much shown to most people that it probably can't get any worse. Um, yeah. So if this is the worst it's going to get and you can still get through that, then your 18 holes of golf is not the end of the world. Yeah. And that's something that I've kind of taken away from, from Europe where I've had so much pressure on myself to every shot that I hit to then at breaking point and coming home and realising, well, hang on a second, life isn't that bad. Let's just get on with it enjoy life, enjoy what I'm going to do now. And then hopefully in 2022, we can get back to playing some tournament golf in Australia and showing to the, to the fans and everyone out there that, you know, this is, this is, we're back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, flexibility in general is such a valuable uh, mindset and approach, let alone in a global pandemic, like it becomes almost one of the most valuable things we can, we can adopt um, just because, things are changing all the time. You know, we, we did start to prep up our, our training a little bit and because um, you had some events in November scheduled in WA and then leading into the bigger events in Australia. And then, you know, within a couple of weeks, they all got cancelled. Um, but, you know, pressing that pause button or just that slow motion button where you're like, okay, I'll, I'll go and do a little bit more work and I'll just keep training. But, you know, if I wake up one day and I don't want to practice, then I don't practice. If I don't want to play, I don't play. It's just allowing you to just enjoy, you know, enjoy your life without the constraints and restrictions of what you feel like you need to do. So that's been, um, you know, that's been, been really, really good. Um, so Yeah, we've been very fortunate as well over here with the freedoms we've had as well. Yeah. Um, obviously we can't, 
tell much about Sydney and Melbourne, but we we got lucky because we could still live our normal lives and go to work and stuff like that. So we got very we've been very fortunate over here to be able to, to do that. Yeah, and as as far as your like not so much your mental health plan, but let's say your your mental performance program. What would be some of the things that you might do either daily or a couple of times a week? just to help keep on top of, you know, things like confidence, gratitude, like whatever it might be that you feel like um, is helping you to sustain a really good, healthy mental state? Um, I'm still doing my meditation at night, um, which is good, kind of give myself half an hour just before bed just to kind of relax um, because I'd struggled massively for a while there after, after hotel quarantine to sleep. Yeah. Um, just the constant thought of, you know, what's next and what's coming up and what about this scenario and this scenario. So we're still still doing that. And then kind of waking up in the morning and I don't I think just telling myself to get the most out of today and treat everyone. I definitely think that when I before I left Europe, I was getting I was kind of getting angry with everyone. Yeah. Um, and working in a pro shop, people who I don't know if many people on this show would work in a pro shop, but it's it's draining and you, you deal with some interesting characters and it's just dumb question after dumb question after dumb question and it, and it gets on your nerves. And, but I think the more now that I work there, I kind of just joke around with people and just try and get on their level and enjoy it as much as I can just because, you know, it can be worse and it, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's um, you know that that meditation, that nightly meditation is is fantastic, and um, yeah, I, as I said, I think that that shift in you just really wanting to try and enjoy the day as much as possible, and I think we're all when we're all fatigued and we're all burnt out. I don't know if I've ever met a human that's a, a nicer version of themselves when they're burnt out. You know, it's just when we're not in a good place, we just act and behave in a, in a different way. So um you know it's just you know for me it's been really good to see you adopt that flexibility and just be able to just almost put golf on the side on the shelf for a little bit and just go I'll come back to it whenever the time is right for it we don't know when that is you don't know when tournaments are going to kick off uh next year as yet but um you know in the meantime you know we put in some good quality training Whatever volume that is, it is. It doesn't really matter. You're going out there and playing, having some fun games with your with your mates there in, in Perth, and um, you know, just in, enjoying your life. So I think that is, um, you know, that's a really important thing for you. Yeah, to I think do. that's a good thing when you said golf is kind of in the back burner because it's been a daily thing for the last 16, 17 years. Yeah. Um, you know, ever, ever since you kind of in middle middle high school, you kind of like, well, I need to go to the golf course every day to get a little bit better. Um, but I think after a while, you kind of realise that, well, oh, maybe that's not the case. You, you can still see your mates and you can still go kick the footy with them and then you can go see your friends on the weekend and and do the normal things that we took for granted because we're in such a, a scheduled routine, if I put it that way. Yeah, for sure. So here's one... Uh... It might be a difficult one to answer, but I always like throwing, you know, you especially under the bus. Um, <laughs> your your identity of yourself. Now that golf has been taken away for a bit and put on the shelf, how has that changed the way that you view yourself? And just 
Describe that if you can. Um, golf has been put on the shelf and I think I'd probably see myself as a bit more uh, in a positive light, um, a bit more f- like back to where I was, fun, outgoing, have a laugh with the boy, have a beer with the boys. That's probably an understatement at the moment. Um, <laughs> Saturdays have probably got to stop soon, but um, when we get back to tournament golf, we can, we can do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just getting back to having a laugh with everyone and, and being the kind of the, the life of the party. Um, yep. You know, I, I like to, people like to make fun of me and I like to give it back. Um, it's yep. just the way I kind of roll. Yep. And I mean, if that's not happening, then no one's having fun. So now I, I think that it's definitely changed since golf's been put on the back burner. And that's when I want to kind of be able to bring that into golf when golf comes back. I don't want to get rid of it again. Yep. And I definitely say that a couple of years ago, I got rid of that and went to full, you know, I've got to be stricter. I've got to be down the line because, you know, golf's a very professional sport, but maybe that doesn't work for me. So now I've got to bring this side of my life now back into my golf game and hopefully it can, can work better. Absolutely, mate. I mean, that's, for me, that two things that are really valuable there is when you're a professional athlete, sometimes you're... Your, your pie has only one piece and everything is around golf. And, you know, we always try to add different elements of the pie or multiple pieces of the pie so that if one part's not quite functioning well, you've got other parts and pieces to support it. So for you to be able to firstly, you know, add that social element in, that fun, add that work in at the club. Now you've got multiple pieces of the pie to help uh, offset, you know, anything's golf specific, but more importantly, too, I think it's helped you to get clarity around who you really are as a person and what makes you happy and what makes you uh, enjoy your life. And as you say, we now moving forward need to transfer that personality, who you are as a person, into your golf, not, not adopt it any other way. And I think, you know, Rory McElroy spoke about that after winning the CJ Cup as well, about just going back to who he is, not trying to be someone else not trying to be, you know, trying to be different in the way he approaches his life or his game. Just get back to who he is as a person. And I think, you know, most of us can can never go wrong if that's the case. So uh, um, I could only imagine the banter and the shit stirring you'd be throwing at the boys when you're having bogey-free <laughs> age under with very minimal training. I think, uh, yeah, they'd be crying, the lads. No, it's 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 been good, and just to kind of play with them as well, and you know they they got work as well and stuff like that, and a couple of young boys at the club um, that are that are going really well, and and you kind of see, especially in a, another young kid at the golf club, Josiah, he's I kind of see him in me um, back in the day. It's kind of like you know you're grinding and grinding and grinding, and he's he's a lot younger, and he's you know got bigger and better things to do, but he's going to be a good player, and you know you kind of. You, you test your, your game against him and he's kind of testing his game against me and it's it's healthy, healthy competition, which has been good. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. That's really good. So, uh, and obviously Perth is a bit like, you know, Queensland with the restrictions. We've been really lucky with with being able to be open for most of the pandemic. And for uh, you working at a club, how much have you seen the stress and anxiety of the pandemic um, in the members at your club in WA, are you seeing much of that in the way they are with their golf and that sort of stuff? 
Um, no, like you said, we've, we've been pretty lucky. So the members here have had golf pretty much every day the last, I mean, we had maybe two, three weeks off. Um, yeah. The golf course was shut and maybe a, a, a snap lockdown here or there for three days. Yeah. Um, so the, the members have been very lucky, but I think they've, they took for granted again um, how much golf they can play. And obviously spending money at the golf club has been a lot different because they've got all this money now because they can't go on holidays. Yeah. Um, and memberships have skyrocketed. Um, people are buying new golf clubs and getting out there and playing a lot more golf than what people, you have two, 300 people at a golf course a day now, it's pretty normal. Whereas, yeah. you know, kind of before COVID, it was, you know, 150, 160. Yeah. Um, people have got a lot more time to, to play the game that they didn't have much time for because, you know, family time or they go on holidays for their, you know, two weeks off for the year. And it's, yeah, it's definitely different, but, um, yeah. I think once everything starts to open up again, that's when we'll kind of realise that it'll probably go back to, to where it was. Yeah. Um, but I think club life has definitely changed a lot. So you're seeing a, a, definitely an increase in participation over the past 12 to 18 months? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. 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 People yeah. have got that extra little spare cash in the side of the pocket and they go, well, Mike, I get a membership for $1,500 now, which, you know, it was kind of out of reach before that. Yeah. Um, and I think golf clubs have been a bit more equipped with helping people out like that. We've got a three-month trial thing that people kind of nab up $400 and they go play golf for three months straight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lifestyle memberships that have changed over time, midweek memberships. And I think golf right now is in the best place it's, it's been in a long time. Yeah. Um, you go, I've got a Wembley driving range and people are there hitting balls nonstop. Yeah. Um, so I think golf is in a pretty good place now. Yeah, it's awesome to see that the participation has gone up. And I think I think for all of us, we realise, just not, not with the pandemic, but just in general, that golf is that vehicle for us, our outlet to enjoy life, uh, you know, decrease some stress, um, get away from some of those pressures of, 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 you know, the world outside of golf. Um Obviously, for some of the other states, Melbourne especially, that's, you know, they're only coming back, you know, just a few days ago. And um, But uh, I know for myself, I've only played a few times since I moved to the Gold Coast, maybe four rounds of golf. And every time I play, I just get this great sense of just de-stressing, just big, deep breaths, being out on the golf course with friends, talking a bit of crap and... Um, you know, just having that social interaction is just just so valuable. So, um, mate, I think that's uh, great to see that, you know, the WA golf scene is uh, is blowing up. And, um, yeah, no doubt that increasing participation is probably helping everyone's mental, mental state for sure. Um, one thing I want to finish with, um, again, most people that know you uh, know your partner is quite a successful golfer. Um, she's not bad. She's not bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> you may have just answered my question in that response. <laughs> having having Hannah, you, you, how long have you guys been dating for? Uh, nine over nine years. Okay, so you, you guys have been dating for nine years. Um, Hannah Green, obviously uh, one of Australia's you know best female golfers, major winner. Um, talk to me about that that journey with her golf and your golf and and her sort of going on to the top tiers of the game 
whether that has positively, negatively impacted, you know, yourself or it's pretty much a neutral process? Um, well, obviously, I've, we've both been around each other's games for a long time now. Um, nine years is, is a long time. Um, and I've seen her grow from, obviously, amateur days to uh, professional golf, ALPGA to Symmetra Tour. That year, she grinded it out in America for, I don't know how many weeks it was, um, and had three wins and got the automatic promotion to the LPGA Tour. And then all of a sudden, you know, your girlfriend's a major champion and top 15 player in the world and just killing it. Yeah. Um, and I think at the start, you kind of... I. I think I'd be lying if I said I wasn't jealous. Yeah. Um, because I think that's just a natural thing for everyone to to kind of feel. But it was jealousy in the in the right fields because yeah. that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and if one of us was going to miss out, then it, it didn't matter. But I still want to get there one day. Um, yeah. But I'm definitely not jealous of of where she's where she's at in her career because she's I've seen how hard she's worked to get there. Um, and seen how hard she, all the work she's put into, you know, in the last kind of two years in COVID when she's, you know, done five, six months stints in America, come home for a couple of weeks and had to go again, you know, that's, that's as hard as it gets. Um, and I think that the way she's trending is just, it's just up. Um, yeah. And it's been cool to kind of watch. It's been interesting on our relationship side of things because we don't get to see each other that much, but I think it's, it's a mutual thing to where we're at now where we've both got the same goals. We know what we're trying to do. I know what she's got to do for the next four months. If that's to go to, um, to America and do what she needs to do, then that's fine. Um, and then she knows that when she comes home, if I've got to go to Europe for two months or over here for two months, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, and I think we've both worked that out pretty well the last kind of couple of years. It was a bit of a struggle at the start, but I think we're pretty used to it now. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, look, mate, definitely it's a, a natural, normal response for someone in your shoes to be positively jealous of what she achieved. Um, I, I know that there's been multiple times different clients and siblings that have done well that, that I've had and, and a similar sort of a pattern has happened. But as you say, it's all, all from the, the, the positive side of things. You're all just, you know, almost in awe of, uh, of what, you know, she was able to achieve. And then obviously you reframe it into a positive and you can maybe take something from it. So what have you learned? Uh, now, Hannah may not listen to this podcast, so you may get away with uh, with this one because I'm sure if she did listen to what you learned from Hannah, she may uh, she may get a big head about it or make you feel, uh, you know, hold it against you for a little while. But what have you learned from Hannah the last couple of years that you've really felt like you're going to be taking into your golf that's going to help? Um, I think... She acquired something four years ago that when she was on the Symmetra Tour that I think myself and Richie, her coach, kind of noticed that she had that dog-eat-dog type mentality, Yeah. Um, which I kind of don't have. Yeah. You know, you kind of got to get in there and get rough and you don't, you're not out there to make friends and um, you've got to be aggressive in, in things you do. And she had that uh when she got there on the Symmetra tour she was she wasn't scared of anyone she was just there to get the job done to win and to get to the LPJ tour and that's that's definitely what she did and then she wasn't she wasn't scared when she got in that position in the major she she was just there she's like well people aren't think people don't think I'm meant to win here well what well, there's no pressure on me 
yeah. I'm going to go out there and try and do my best. And, and eventually she won and it was kind of like, well, then the floodgates open. Yeah. And then you go out there and you win two weeks later and then, you know, you're top, top 10 in the world at some point in your career. And it's like, well, you know, the sky's the limit. But she had that dog-eat-dog type mentality and that's something that I can definitely learn from her. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. Because I know, you know, when you're on tour at a tournament week, you know, sometimes you might be staying with a couple of other golfers or you've got this plan of what you need to do to prepare, but then so often you're fitting with other people just to to suit them and all of a sudden you're not paying attention to the things that are going to help you to play great. So when you've got that dog-eat-dog mentality where you're just like, screw everyone else, I'm just going to focus on what I'm doing. I'm not going to change, you know, that plan for anyone. And um, I remember years ago when, uh, when Bads, Aaron Badley, used to come out to Australia and I'd always try and set up practice rounds with my clients with him because he was you know one of the best players in the world and uh remember the first time first time he said james he said every time i come to australia there'll be a spot for one of your crew in 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 my tea time he said but my tea time is the same time every tuesday so if that fits with them great if it doesn't i i I can't change and he said and when i mean when i mean you know if it's 15 minutes late, they'll have to meet me on the second. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and that was, that was brilliant. You know, it was, it was great because it really showed that he's got his job to do and he's not going to, not going to adapt that for anyone. And, um, you know, I know how easy it is to try and keep friends, uh, get friends on tour because it's a, it's a lonely environment. So you're, you're always trying to create healthy relationships, but sometimes it can be to the detriment of your own game. So, um, so mate, I think that's yeah. I definitely, I definitely noticed that when I went out and watched Hannah on the on the LPGA, I was kind of like, oh, you know, who who are you playing with today in the practice round? She's like, oh, no one. And I'm kind of standing there, and I'm like, no one. Like I I couldn't imagine going out there and playing practice round by myself. Like I'd want to talk to someone and you know enjoy company, but that's that's the norm out there. They're not. It's it's strictly business on the golf course, and that's and that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. I mean. You know, when you spend some time with really successful people, um, as you know, as all the boys, when they spend time with you, they'll get little nuggets from you that they learn about. Oh, okay, he does that. That's why he's so good. And you know, I suppose we keep trying to get those nuggets from people that are just that one step above us. Um, we can continue to learn from everyone. Um, that's uh, that's awesome. So, um, Mate, that's, that's been great. I really appreciate you jumping on the podcast. Um, I know the rest of uh, 2021 is a little bit of the unknown, but uh, one thing I do know is that you're going to be enjoying every day. Um, you're going to be getting that little bit of practicing. You're probably going to be taking some money from the boys. And no doubt on a Saturday, there'll be at least one or two Instagram posts with a beer in your hand and uh, a smile on your face, mate, which is... Um, for me at the moment is as important, if not more important than anything else, because being able to take who you are as a person and that fun loving um, attitude and personality you have India golf next year, I'm really looking forward to. So um, I can't wait. Yeah, no, I appreciate uh, everything we've worked for the last uh, six months and making me into a, into a better person and we're back where I, where I should be. And um, yeah, hopefully next year we can, get back to playing some tournament golf and enjoying the uh, fruits of that. Yeah, mate. No, looking forward to it. And um, anyone, uh, anyone listening, um, if you do follow uh, Jared on Instagram, um, please 
every now and then you might want to give him a couple of fashion tips. I'm not quite sure if uh, his pants were rolled up or they're a bit shorter than normal because he's uh, he's been growing. But um, no, he loves uh, loves a bit of a fashion shoot, old felt. But um, no, thanks again, mate, and uh, really appreciate your time. And we look forward to um, seeing you out there competing sometime in 2022. Perfect. Thanks, Jamie. Appreciate it. Thanks, mate. Thanks for joining us on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you. If you want to bridge the gap between potential and performance and start to build your own unbreakable mental game today, join us over at mentalmastery.com.au at the Mental Mastery Clubhouse where we would love to connect with you and see you on the inside of the clubhouse where we can continue the mental performance journey. It's been a pleasure having you. See you next time.